Welcome to Future Charlotte, the podcast where we talk about the people, issues, and trends shaping Charlotte's future. Michael Gallus, principal at Michael Gallus & Associates, is a longtime urban planner and consultant who's helped draw up some of the plans that guide Charlotte's growth today. But Michael Gallus is also a critic of some of Charlotte's plans, especially the transit plan that's been put on the table right now. And he thinks that Charlotte's boosterish, don't defend anyone ethos has been a barrier to effective planning. Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks, uh, Eli. You wanted me to introduce myself? Yeah. So I know that you've been uh, in Charlotte and have worked in a really wide variety of capacities. Tell me a little bit about who you are, how you came to Charlotte urban planning, and a little bit of some of the work you've done. Well, like many people who came to Charlotte, I was born and raised in a different part of the United States. I came from San Francisco, California. Uh, I was educated at in Los Angeles at USC and went on to Philadelphia, my first trip back east for any extended length of time to be a student in uh, Philadelphia, which allowed me to see the Northeast in some detail. Uh, went down to University of Miami, uh, to Florida, down there in the tropics, another entirely different part of the United States. Uh, and then came uh, to UNCC as they started the School of Architecture back in the mid-70s. And you can imagine, or it's hard to imagine, Charlotte today, if you go back to what it was in the mid-70s. And uh, as a native San Franciscan, uh, we are a real food city. And growing up in San Francisco, you can't help but love food and different kinds of food, very diverse. And Charlotte um, had a struggling downtown who was vacant at that time, a beginning university that was just a few buildings out uh, on the, where the site is today. Uh, 7,000 students, if you can imagine, so over 30,000 today. And uh, so Charlotte was a very incipient city, a little bus station that kind of posed as an airport. And uh, Charlotte was just an incipient city. And over the years teaching there, I'd become more and more involved in planning and began to do studies for some of the smaller towns around Charlotte, like Mount Holly and Rock Hill, which gave me a view of how do the cities fit together. And it was through those analysis that we began to find that Charlotte was like the things astronomers see, which is stars forming out in space. How does a star become a star from a cloud of gases? And you might say Charlotte in those days was like a cloud, a gas cloud becoming a big metropolitan area. There are little pieces like Concord and Mooresville and Gastonia and Rock Hill and Monroe that were kind of floating out there in Matthews and Mint Hill and Huntersville. And they were all just separate little things floating around, but they had a structure that we found. And it was through that that we became very engaged in planning because we could see how cities fit together and we could also see how Charlotte fit to the cities around it. And that's what began um, to involve me in the planning processes as we became more involved with more cities. And I know that one of the things you've been most vocal about um, recently is Charlotte's transit plan. And we've talked uh, a lot about that as well, um, you know, both in this show and across the region. You've said that Charlotte should basically throw out the plan it's got and start again. What is Charlotte getting wrong and what should the city and the region be doing to get it right? Well, the origins of this transit plan lay in the work we had done with these smaller cities and the city of Charlotte to recognize Charlotte had five dominant corridors that connected it to the region around it. And those were 85 north going to Concord, 85 south to Gastonia, 77 north to the Davidson Mooresville area, Eight, uh, 77 south down to Rock Hill and 74, which was not a freeway, but a major arterial going out to Monroe. And all these cities were about 20 miles out. And we saw 
at that time that Charlotte had an opportunity to do what no other city in America was able to do, build a transit system prior to all that land being filled in, and that it was at a very formative stage of its development and had an opportunity to build what I would consider to be the most efficient city in America. And I, I call it most efficient and cost-effective city, lowering the cost of infrastructure and making it possible for everybody to move through the entire region easily. And by doing that, creating that framework, you would be uh, redirect the growth pattern of the city into a new, more highly efficient form. And interestingly enough, when you look at sewer and water and the cost of electricity, et cetera, we could build a, a form of a city that would lower all those costs of providing that infrastructure. And that would be a great economic benefit. At the same time we were doing that, we were involved at UNCC in seeing that one of the biggest economic barriers to Charlotte's growth was a lack of a PhD institution that could drive higher value economic development. So there were two things going on at the same time. How to improve Charlotte and strengthen its economy. And the barrier was lack of education. And it was not only at the lower levels, but the biggest problem was at the higher levels. We couldn't attract high tech to Charlotte. But the idea of putting transit into five cores. Now, the, prior to this, uh, Charlotte had hired uh, transit consultants. In fact, they had brought Martin Crampton in as a uh, planning director from Portland because he was there when they first built the transit. Our vision was very different than Portland's and very different than any other city or metropolitan area in the United States. It was literally to redirect the growth and make it possible to move through the region by transit and by redirecting its growth your, your high density multifamily, your office market and job market, institutional market, UNCC hospitals would all, and retail would all cluster in those corridors that would be accessible by automobile and transit. This was not transit versus automobile. It was how to put a transit line parallel to a freeway in such a way that the land in that corridor could be accessed by cars and transit. We call them corridors of high accessibility, but it demanded something which was a central transfer point in the system where all the lines, you could get off one line, get on the other line. Now, if you look at other cities, New York, for instance, they had Grand Central Station, they had Penn Station, they had two different transit systems, and they were not together in the same place. And it caused all kinds of problems for transfers, the growth of that region, all suffered. Boston had two stations, a North Station and a South Station. We studied around the country all the problems of other cities that we wanted to avoid. So we saw five corridors that would come together in the center and you could transfer between any one. Now, in typical transit planning, you connect a job center to residential. Ours were not, any of the corridors were not residential corridors. They were all commercial corridors. So South Boulevard, Independence Boulevard, 77 North are all commercial corridors driven by cars. But they're very low density development. And in fact, the first quarter, the South quarter, as they said, did not meet federal guidelines. And I remember a conversation at that time, Mayor Vinroot had formed a committee of 100. This is prior to the tax and bond issue that created the funding for the first transit. And it was 100 people from across the region in business, in the university, in hospitals, et cetera, all coming together. In that committee, we laid out and they all agreed we should build the five corridor system. Prior to that, they had hired a consulting company, the same one that I 
would say messed up the plan from day one. And the first corridor they found that met federal guidelines was Albemarle Road. And Charlotte's leadership couldn't get beyond behind that. And that's what led to rethinking it and the five corridor plan. When you're talking about federal guidelines, just for people who aren't familiar, you're talking about projected ridership? Yes, federal guidelines demand that if you're going to have transit, you must put it along a corridor, meaning a, a street or a boulevard or somewhere, a railroad track or whatever, where there's enough people that will get on it and will provide revenue fare that will then lower the federal subsidy. And if you don't meet that uh, guideline, then the federal government feels like, well, we're going to have to put more money into it than it's worth, and we won't allow you to build it. And so our reclamation of the five corridors, none of them met federal guidelines. But the basis for us making that decision was based on how we wanted to direct future growth. Those decisions were made that that was undervalued, underutilized, uh, uh, urban land. And what we wanted to do is by adding transit in each of those corridors, we would up the density and it would develop as high density corridors. So it was transformative to transform those corridors into high density corridors accessed by cars and now transit. And our original brochure, 1997, we showed how it would evolve. And, it, and so ours was based on real estate market decisions, not just transit planning. We combined transit with its effects on retail development, on real estate development. So, and of course the blue line worked out beyond imagination. And I remember Johnny Harris coming to me during that time and saying, Michael, the, the centers and corridors plan is, is great, but they're telling us we don't have the density in that corridor to meet federal guidelines. And I remember saying to Johnny, well, ask him what density we need and let's plan it to meet that density. I remember Johnny coming back to me and saying, the consultant said they never did that before. And I said, well, it's just a reverse engineering. If it doesn't meet the guideline, then use the formula for what the guideline is and tell us how far we are. Do we need to double the development, triple it, whatever. So they went back and for the first time, our consultants who couldn't think of it on their own, then came back and said, here's the development required. So then the city zoned it for that development. Now, what, where the plan went wrong from the start was that rather than laying it out as five light rail lines, the people, the engineers, were not urbanists. They were not people who understood development effects. They were purely mechanical guys doing a transit light rail. So they came back and said, we're gonna customize, we're gonna have one light rail corridor to the south, but the others will be customized for the conditions. Wait a minute, that's the opposite of what we wanted. We didn't want it customized. That meant it would fit that corridor and have no developmental effects on it. So what happened to Independence Boulevard? Nothing. What happened to 77 going north? Well, they thought they were gonna get a light rail line. Huntersville, there's a big development waiting for the light rail. UNCC was supposed to get a bus, but it ended up with a light rail, you know, 20 years later. Uh, and going out Wilkinson, uh, 85 South, got nothing but a bus. And so, and there was no plan for a central station because they were all different modes. And going north was supposed to be a heavy rail, a bus, a light rail, and we ended up with a streetcar. And I said, this looks like a zoo. This is a transit zoo. This is not a light rail system. The problem was that they did not plan for a central station. So the problem we end up with is there's in 1995, when we were first putting this together and then passed the tax in 97, we did an actual map for the planning commission showing available land. We could have carved out right of ways. We could have carved out a central station, but they didn't do that because they said, oh, it's just a bus. That doesn't need a right of way. 
And as a result, we ended up with a plan without a central station. In the most recent quote I was given by their, one of their lead consultants, he said, well, times have changed. I said, no, times have not changed. We had an opportunity, we don't anymore. Now the question is, how do you create that? And what we're creating today is the worst of what's been done in ur urban America. We're creating a gateway station on one side of town and a supposed CTC or Charlotte Transit Center on the other. The Charlotte Transit Center should be renamed the Charlotte Bus Terminal, the CBT. It's a central bus terminal. But imagine, we have a central bus terminal. We don't have a central light rail terminal. And we ended up with a streetcar. And the streetcar became very divisive. It became the black community streetcar. And sitting with the mayor, I said, what, what's going on here? We should have a transit system for everybody. What is it? Black people get a streetcar. You stop every block. Takes forever to get anywhere. White people get a light rail that speeds you downtown. This is crazy. We should have a transit system for everybody. So now all of a sudden they have a light rail plan with no central station, but two different stations on two different sides of town. They, they now have a coordinated bus plan with a bus terminal downtown. And we have one streetcar line. Do we have a streetcar plan? And the streetcar crosses the light rail line out on Hawthorne. It comes together downtown, but it crosses on Hawthorne and there's no joint station so that someone coming in on a streetcar could get off and get on the light rail, they can't do it. It's the most fragmented, disorganized plan being created in America. From what could have been a model plan, we now have basically a fragmented mess. And to say that we're gonna have a central transit terminal is a misnomer. That, that is not correct. Now, so if you were back at the drawing board, if you were the guy writing down, drawing, sketching out where we need to go, uh, what does a better plan look like? And do you have any uh, hope that we'll get there? Well, the problem is that they say to us today to do what I'm saying, have a central station. Now that it's downtown's built out, land in the 90s was going for $30, $40 a foot. It's now going $200 a foot. What we're seeing is they're saying, well, it's going to be extremely expensive. They, they now have a $13.5 billion price tag. So I said, well, what the problem is, is that you keep hiring the same consulting firm over and over the one that made the mess to begin with is still the one that's doing the plan. What are we gonna get for 13.5 billion? And we're gonna pay more to get a central station. We're gonna pay more to get a coordinated plan, which is gonna add billions because of your mistake. But we're gonna lay the foundations for the future growth of Charlotte. The question is, is it worth it today? And I'm an advocate for saying, we. Look at the system you want. We want to have, we must have a central station. We must have the ability to transfer between lines. Eli, in transportation planning, if you take 101, the first course, basic stuff. The first thing you learn is origin, destination. Where are people coming from? Where do they want to go? It's called O and D. And the second one you learn is modes. There's such a thing as a bus. There's such a thing as a streetcar. There's such a thing as a light rail. There's such a thing as a commuter rail. They all have different characteristics. And the third big lesson you learn is called travel experience. And I want to emphasize this word, travel experience. In other words, if you ride on a bus, it's in traffic. Some people sit, some people stand. When it stops, you jerk back and forth, et cetera. If you're in a streetcar, you travel and stop every block and you may be in traffic some of the time, so you're gonna move with the cars. 
If you're in a light rail, you go basically a half mile is the efficient distance. And you're in a dedicated right of way with no cars. So you speed along, traffic doesn't interfere. And a heavy rail, commuter rail, like what they talk about going to Davidson, stops to get to the speed it needs. It goes five miles is the minimum recommended distance. And uh, it carries a lot more people. The reason we have a light rail system is people like to transfer from one light rail line to another. They don't want to go from a streetcar to a bus, a light rail to a bus, or a streetcar. It's a different experience. So the, the reason we build in this country light rail systems is because when you know you get off one, you get on the next one. So there's a continuity of experience. You're not, you don't want to, people don't like to get from one to another to another. Now, in the current plan, believe it or not, they have done several things that are, turn it into a joke book instead of a plan. I call the current transit plan a joke book. A $13.5 billion joke book that they're trying to put over on the people. And the problem with these government agencies and the politicians is they tout all this stuff, makes it sound wonderful. You vote for them, or you support it. And then years later, they're gone and you're stuck with the mess they created and who's responsible. They're not taking any responsibility. They want to take the credit. They want to take no responsibility. Here's what's happening. The line coming in from Independence called the Silver Line comes into the city and the stop near the blue line is two blocks away. And that line goes on to the airport. Two blocks to transfer. Now, if a student, and I'm taking an extreme case, at Christmas from UNCC takes the blue line because he don't want to park his car and his friend isn't going to drop him. And a person takes that line downtown and it's winter and it's raining like hell or it's snowing and he's going to get off that blue line and walk two blocks on the city street with his suitcase to get on the, the silver line to go to the airport. Do you have to be a PhD to say that makes no sense? How could they even put forth such? A, that's ridiculous. And I know that they're looking at now the idea of interlining uh, some of the blue and silver line uptown, but my understanding of that plan is that then the the two halves, the east and west halves of the blue of the silver line, excuse me, would not connect to each other, and there would be still a gap that you would have to cross. Um, so oh. it doesn't look like it addresses that. When you see this uh, this proposal, do you think that just zooming out big picture, Charlotte still needs to be approaching transit from the perspective of directing the growth and redirecting growth? Or has the city um, grown so much and in such uh, different ways geographically from the proposal in the mid 90s that that, you know, is less of an important an important part of the transit proposal? No, I, I think it's more important, in fact, more important than ever. And the reason why is as we said, our analysis is based on the development effects because obviously the more people that live along the transit line, the more businesses that are located along the transit line, then the more accessibility between the multifamily and the business. And look what's happened in South End. The multifamily started off to begin with. Let's look at the development cycle. What happened? First, the multifamily poured in because it was connected to the downtown office buildings. And if you lived there, you could, you could get on a transit right downtown. You don't have to drive your car and you're at work. As that built up, then retail started to come in because the market was strengthened. You start seeing grocery stores, more restaurants, and suddenly there was a lifestyle. You could walk to a grocery store or ride a stop and you could walk to a restaurant and so suddenly you weren't using your car. Guess what? Because we're going to get to carbon in the atmosphere and climate change. And then we started seeing office buildings. Look at South End. It isn't, they're not building three-story office buildings. They're building 20-story office buildings in South End, 30-story office buildings, 
huge towers are rising along the transit line because they want to take advantage of the multifamily. As more employment is built, more multifamily is being built. Look at UNCC line. There's multifamily growing along that. It's the underutilization of land in those corridors. Independence. My God, that thing is so low density development. All that will be ripped down and will become high density development. Going north, they, they said, we're going to put a commuter line. Stops every five miles. I said, why? They said, well, we don't want to put a light rail line because it's all industrial. That industrial land will all get bought up and transformed um, with a light rail. So it's all based on real estate dynamics now and the shape of the city. Now, if we don't do that, Charlotte will spread out further and further. But let me point out something. We live in a time of dramatic climate change. The South Pole is breaking up and melting away. Greenland breaking up, melting away. We're having massive droughts in the Southwest, massive floods in parts of the US, Kentucky, and we're seeing it in Europe. And this drought condition, flood condition, what I call the asymmetry in the environment is growing more. The demand to grow more efficient cities is more than ever before. If you think of what global cities of the future are gonna be about, they're going to have to reduce automobile usage, even if they're electric cars, because you're not just dealing with the air pollution, you're dealing with the erosion of the, of the farmland and the natural land around cities. By building more condensed cities, your people can move to jobs, to home, to retail without using cars at all. And what we're seeing in Charlotte more than ever, the amount of new office buildings built in the center and in South End is going to generate so much traffic. And even if they're electric cars, they're not going anywhere. There's going to be too much auto traffic. We're going to have to depend on it. The failing part of the council at this point is all the talk of affordable housing. Where do you want affordable housing? You want it along the transit line. Those are the people that need to use transit more than the ones who are going to afford it. Now, we need to create a affordable policy. And I listened to this discussion and where are they sticking affordable housing is out on the moon somewhere. And people who need that, how are they gonna to get to the jobs? The jobs are along increasingly along the transit lines. Hello, is anybody awake? Uh, has Elvis left the building? Uh, what's going on here? So you gotta coordinate, as we say, multiple activities. The transit has to be coordinated to the development of the city, has to be coordinated to housing policies, economic policies, et cetera. It should be integrated. And we treat it as total silo. Oh, over here we'll do affordable housing. Are you kidding me? Affordable housing got to be on that transit. A huge part of it's got to be on that transit. And in fact, when you look at the jobs that people are gonna occupy who, who have affordable, and that's not public housing. People have this confusion, affordable housing, public housing, two different things. The people who use affordable housing or need it are people who work in restaurants, they work in all kinds of service jobs that are demanded by those office buildings across this country. There's a huge crisis in the people who are needed in service industries cannot uh, live close enough to where they're needed that they can't get there and there's a job shortage. Well, Charlotte had the opportunity and still has the opportunity, but if we go forward with this plan, this ridiculous, we are gonna build in a disaster. And my concern and the reason I'm getting involved is to watch this unfold over the last 10 years, 20 years since we started building transit has been to watch a slow motion catastrophe. And now we've reached this point and they come forward and say, we, we've got a great plan. They don't have, they have a terrible plan. And, and voters, I am 100% for transit. I am the biggest transit backer in the city, but not this plan, this is ridiculous. So let's zoom out a bit 
and talk big picture about Charlotte's growth, because I think that you have a really interesting and unique perspective on what drives this city and what needs to drive it in the future. So aside from transit, transportation, what do you think are going to be the biggest factors, macroeconomic factors, social factors, whatever those big picture trends might be, driving Charlotte's growth in the near term, medium term, and long term? Well, the 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 number one issue, I think, for every city is, of course, its economy, how it's going to sustain a quality economy. And as I said, back in the day uh, when they created UNCC in the 60s, it was created as a master's degree only institution because the state of North Carolina did not want UNCC to have PhD programs. They're very expensive. They don't graduate a lot of people. Uh, and they wanted to focus all that money into Chapel Hill in state and a little bit into Greensboro, but Charlotte was not to get any of that money. As a result, our economy, our economic development depended on the airport, manufacturing, distribution, which are medium wage jobs. We had to change UNCC to become a major PhD institution, got informatics, now a leader in that field, and that changed the economy of the city. That's not over. Charlotte has tried with the medical school issue. We have two huge, two of the biggest hospitals in the Carolinas here. We have no medical school. We're not capitalizing on biomed, don't have a plan for that moving forward. Atrium came forward with their idea of a plan, but it's gonna take more than one hospital. It's gonna take a coalition coming together. So there's many dimensions of our economy that are still not resolved and capitalized on. We're not using our resources efficiently to really build a high quality, high value economy. We're doing much better than we were, but we still haven't grasped it. The second thing is the environmental crisis. You know, we still have people walking around saying, boo hoo, boo hoo, it's all nonsense. But anybody who studies this, and we did a project for the federal government, and the product was called Coevolution. How can human and natural systems uh, uh, operate together, become complementary, because we're in conflict? And we were given information about the condition of the glaciers, et cetera, that has never been made public because the effect of a sudden change in Greenland. The South Pole could result in literally the death of tens of millions of people in the United States, as well as Europe. And it would be like atomic warfare. We do not understand the consequences of environmental change. And this drives my thoughts on transit and efficient cities and what's a global city in the future gonna look like. Um, so in the growth, we talked on the economy and how much it's linked to education and health. The other big issue is the equity issue. And that's where the affordable housing and how do we engage people, our people, in becoming a part of the economy of the city and empowering themselves. Charlotte has ranked low in upward mobility, uh, the lowest of 50 cities. I mean, Charlotte prided itself as a meritocracy. Meritocracies do not score low on upward mobility. They score high on upward mobility because a meritocracy says it doesn't matter what color you are, what background you are, what religion you are, we're basing it on your capacity as a person. We're not doing a good job of that. In fact, it sounds like we're doing a terrible job of that. And for all the you know, feel good meetings we have, we don't seem to be making real progress on how to engage people. And I'll give you an example. Um, when we were doing our original studies of Charlotte 20 years ago, Charlotte imports labor. What that means is people who have jobs in Charlotte come from outside Charlotte. And it was something at the time we did studies that there was 80,000 people a day coming into Charlotte who uh, were having jobs in Charlotte. And there was something like 60,000 
underemployed and unemployed, permanently unemployed people in Charlotte. Now, wait a minute. We're importing 80,000 people for jobs, and we got 60,000 underemployed and unemployed people in the city itself. Doesn't that say something? It says we're not doing something. So instead of talking about it and having these, you know, blue ribbon commissions, why don't we do something about it? And I'll, I'll give you an example, specific example of that. At Olympic High School, a guy named Clifton Van, who has a company called Hyde Park Partners, started a technology internship program at that high school of kids getting in that program and, and being able to get involved in technology. And then those, those kids in those programs are going to university at a higher rate than the other kids. And it has been focused on as a national model across the whole country. Is that, has that program been reproduced at any other high school in Charlotte? No, no. You go, no, that's the national model right here in Charlotte. And no other high school is doing it in Charlotte. The people behind that program are so frustrated going, what in the world is going on at CMS? My frustration is to see us wasting resources, wasting money. The transit plan is a mess. And I didn't talk about the red line, like that's a joke. When you go to Charlotte's airport, there's an intermodal yard. We're the ones who worked with a former director to create that with Norfolk Southern. We've been in discussions with Norfolk Southern for 25 years. They said, no, there's not gonna be a red line. It's a freight train and a freight train you can't put it on the same track with a passenger train. Physics says momentum is speed times weight creates momentum. When a freight train hits a passenger train, guess who's the winner? The freight train. The passenger trains can be splattered all over in a lot of dead bodies. No way. Those are unscheduled freight trains moving with scheduled passenger trains. Not going to happen. Yet it's back in the plan. Back in the plan, is that a joke? What's that? They've been literally, I'm not even gonna say misleading people, they've been lying to people for 20 years. Norfolk Southern said to us as we planned the airport 25 years ago, it will never happen. And then from cats we hear, we're working with Norfolk Southern. Does that mean that they say no, no, no today instead of no, 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 no? So they only say no three times instead of six times? I mean, what? As I say, anyway, that's a joke. The, the, the transit plan's a mess. But what we have, as I say, is the economy that's linked to our education and our use of resources, our both education and medical communities. We have the environmental crisis that's growing larger. We have the equity issue that's tied to both affordable housing and, the, and, and human capital, developing our human capital. So I would say Charlotte to me was uh, and remains a very unique city in America. It's still a city that's embryonic and coming together, but it is filling in and becoming from what was its childhood to its adolescence starting to mature, very critical point in our history. Many great cities in America, take Cleveland, that were once you know, really booming cities have fallen on hard times. There is no guarantee. The British Empire once sat atop the world. Now England is a little country struggling with a lot of stuff. So don't take for granted. We, we have a lot of politicians taking bows. A lot of people come to Charlotte to see what it is. Don't take for granted that success is guaranteed. Success is never guaranteed. So let's talk about that a little more because... Um, I think that when we were emailing back and forth before uh, this episode, you said that you thought Charlotte should be renamed uh, Boosterville. And that's something that I've always thought was kind of baked into the city's DNA, this kind of boosterish sentiment. Let's what's the next big thing? Charlotte's always going to grow, always going to get bigger. Um, growth's not going to stop. What do you think are the risks, the threats, you know, if we peel back 
a few layers and kind of look under the hood, what does Charlotte need to be on guard for? What can puncture uh, or maybe should puncture this um, Boosterville sentiment? Well, I think if you think Charlotte's Boosterville is bad to, today, you should have seen it 20, 30 years ago. Oh, my God. Um, because Charlotte was trying to be known. Charlotte's now a known city. The biggest problem Charlotte has today is complacency uh, and lack of leadership. The, the Charlotte is no longer, it's headquarters of Bank America, but the CEO doesn't live here. He doesn't come here much. Uh, Duke Power is a global company and it has a CEO, but you know they're preoccupied with global. There was a time when Charlotte's leadership was focused on Charlotte. Um, and by its leadership, I mean its business leadership. They were trying to make Charlotte a, a city where people would come here and see that their businesses were not located in a hick town, but actually located in a going city. There is no big business leadership anymore. And as a result, we have to become team players because there's nobody pushing the envelope. So Richard Vinroot, when he was mayor, um, had pulled together, I said, the committee of 100. It created a great teamwork, not only among uh, people in Charlotte, but among people across our region, from the Rock Hills and the Monroes and Gastonias, and Concord, et cetera. Um, we have to learn to play as a team, but who's going to do that? And it seems to me that they, what is set in is both a sense of fatality, which is, you know, Charlotte's going and therefore where's the vision, where's the leaders? They aren't there. And I think that um, the other one is a complacency. Charlotte is doing great. You hear constantly from the mayor, the council, the chamber, the partnership that Charlotte uh, uh, is fast growing. We're getting this investment. We're getting that investment. Uh, but when you look at it nationally, Charlotte is still the land of the 20 to 30 story building. Even a city like San Francisco is building 80 story buildings, 70, 80 story buildings. The, the Charlotte is, has kind of settled in as the mid-range metropolitan area. It, it's far from reached its potentials. And we need that transit plan. We need the recognition of the environment. We need to build our economy and the resources that it depends on. And we need to build greater equity and utilization of the human capital. I, I have never met a homeless person or somebody living on welfare that truly happened. It may be surviving, <clears throat> but people need to feel empowered, like I can direct my own life. And that, that is a very important quality that a city should endeavor to give its citizens, and it can only benefit all its citizens. So looking at kind of I don't know if you want to call them um, black swans or unexpected events or, um, you know, things coming out of left field. Uh, you mentioned climate change. Uh, what else do you think, you know, is going to be out there in the next decade or so that could really um, affect Charlotte's growth in ways that we're not thinking about right now? Well, I'll give you a perfect example. Um you saw in the newspaper, we're going to build that big awning at the, at the airport, and the airport looks great. Yep, I saw but that. But people don't realize that Charlotte's airport used to be rated in the top three year in and year out. It's, a, it's no longer rated in the top three. Charlotte's airport director, Jerry Orr, used to be considered, you know, the top director in the United States, no longer. Going to Charlotte Douglas Airport is like going to the old... Detroit airport, just sprawling, endless terminals. If you've got to transfer from A, B, uh, or C, or D onto that E concourse, that commuter, I mean, that's an endless walk. Uh, it is not efficient airport like Atlanta is efficient, like many other airports are efficient. It's a built a very inefficient airport. That's your black swans. 
And that's the transit system with two different terminals on two sides of the city with all these different lines that don't connect and uh, with a streetcar going here to there and a heavy rail there and a light rail here and no central station. Our black swans are, as we go forward, we're gonna build in so many inefficiencies that Charlotte will no longer be that desirable place. It'll become known as another one of those screwed up messy cities where you can't get around, you're in endless traffic jams and people are starting to look for the next good place to go. So I, I would say that your black swans are like the airport. It started out at this high level, everybody admired it, it was rated as the best. But today, getting through that airport, the, the concourses weren't built wide enough to even have a moving sidewalk. So if you've got to walk to the end of the con concourse, in the commuter terminal, they have a couple of them, but in the other ones, we only have two going out to D, E and D, and the rest have none. So we, we built an out-of-date airport, and we're likely to do that with the rest of the city. We are not paying attention, and the, the, the uh, taxpayers of this city, everybody needs to use money wisely. I mean, you do, you get a salary, you're married, you got to watch your budget. You try to make the best investments. Governments don't do this, unfortunately. And what we're seeing in Charlotte is the same thing. They're not doing it wisely. And that's our black swan. If we build, if we build this transit system, we will pay a huge price for this. And if we don't capture our medical community, if we don't start to think seriously about the environment, if we don't address equity and affordable housing, we, we, we are going to end up not being the city we thought we were. And I'm curious, uh, because I think of you as kind of a almost a, a futurist in some ways, because you always have interesting points of views and you always raise things that I hadn't thought of uh, every time we talk. What technologies do you see out there that could have a big impact on Charlotte's growth? You know, I know people point to um, cryptocurrency. We're a banking hub autonomous vehicles when we're talking about transit, uh, the rise of renewable energy, we're a big energy hub as well. Do you think there's any technologies out there that could disrupt Charlotte in ways that we're not thinking about right now? Um, I think that the, the biggest unknown um, is not just for Charlotte, but the world is the environment. There are some monumental events and um, if we don't record, I will tell you some of those um, because uh, I, 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 I don't want to be recorded because there's things that I was given privy to that um, uh, shouldn't be said on uh, mass media. And they're not in the mass media for that reason. They're just too damn scary. Um, and uh, so I think the biggest thing coming is not going to be, well, is going to be in the world of technology, but that's another thing. Sometimes we can do a Zoom and I'll show you a presentation that I just made about the future that talks about the next form of life on the planet. We, uh, and you, you got to understand, extinction rates on the planet are running an estimated 1,000 to 10,000 times normal meaning we're extincting species on this planet. We're destroying the natural system at an unprecedented rate. At the same time, technology is introducing 30,000 new products a year. Now you're declining one system, you're wiping it out. The other one you're adding to. Technology is going to go to places that we don't anticipate it's gonna go. But it's, it's going to have a global effect, not, not a local effect on Charlotte. Uh, same thing of the environment. It's going to be a global effect. And these two, as we see where they're going, they're going at the same rate, the same place, and should converge, which is the collapse of the environment and the rise of technology. So, um, but unfortunately, neither one of them look like they're going to sustain the human species at its current level. 
Well, the question as we come to our end here that I like to close out this podcast with for uh, most guests is if you could change anything in Charlotte, if you were emperor for a day, whatever it might be, uh, what would you change about Charlotte and why? You asking me? Yeah. Oh, what would I change? I would change our complacency and our sense of success with a greater sense of vision, future, and efficiency. I would say we need city government to take greater leadership in joining with the private sector to form a new partnership to guide this city. And I would bring in the institutional leadership as well, the university and the major hospitals to talk about how do we build this very successful city. I don't think you can rely on yesterday's plans. I think you need to formalize a group, a strategy group that periodically meets to review all these things before they put it to the voters. I think, I think we need a new kind of strategy group leading the city. Michael Gallus, thank you for your time and thank you for joining us. Um, where can people find out more about what you're up to? Um, well, we're like uh, exclusive New York art dealers. Uh, they can call you and you put us in touch with, you can put us in touch with them. But um, we're Michael Gallison Associates here in Charlotte. We're Great. rebuilding our, our uh, website. That's why I say that. Otherwise, I'd direct you to our website. <laughs> well, I like the exclusive uh, art dealers as well. So thank you again and talk to you soon. Very good. Thank you, Eli. Thanks for joining us on the Future Charlotte podcast, produced by me, Eli Portillo, at the UNC Charlotte Urban Institute. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you like the show, please rate it, share it with your friends, and keep looking to the future, Charlotte.